benefits your favorite radio station and the next generation of collectors. Donate high-quality vinyl in good condition for our annual music sale. Email manager at wjffradio.org. Fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin. Even the smallest amount can be lethal. And Sullivan County has the highest opioid overdose rate in New York State. Help save lives. Learn the common signs of opioid use disorder. Spread awareness. And carry a life-saving naloxone kit. Available at Sullivan County's Public Health Office, 50 Community Lane, Liberty. Or from your local pharmacy. Learn more at HealTogetherNY.org slash Sullivan. Paid for by Sullivan County Government. Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolt. And we've got a show coming up for you. Of course, uh, you do need to mention one more time that there is a winter weather advisory in effect for the New York side of our listening area until 10 a.m. tomorrow for the Pennsylvania side of our listening area until 4 a.m. tomorrow. Further down south into Pennsylvania, it seems like it's going to turn over mostly terrain in the overnight, uh, but in higher elevations in areas to the north and the west of our listening area, more likely that it'll change over to various forms of freezing, wintry mix and ice. One to four inches of snow and ice is possible in the higher elevations. And with that, we'll get back to the program that is a local edition here tonight on a night when people are gearing up for the first uh, weather event. We heard that the latest meeting of the Monticello Rotary has been uh, postponed, but we'll actually be talking to the president of Monticello Rotary because Monticello Rotary has a food drive event coming up this weekend. We'll be talking about that coming up in the second half of the program. First up, also this weekend, Sunday is the Transgender Day of Remembrance, and the week leading up to that day, this week, is Transgender Awareness Week. And this is an opportunity to inform the general public about transgender and gender nonconforming people and the issues associated with their transition or identity. Here to talk about Transgender Awareness Week and Triversity's Transgender Day of Remembrance Vigil that's happening on Sunday. Please welcome Simone Krauss, former vice president of Triversity Pride Center and current member of Triversity's Advisory Council. Simone, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Jason. Pleasure to be here. So it's been a little while since we last spoke to Triversity before we, we talk about what's happening this week and this weekend. Would you mind uh, uh, reminding folks uh, what Triversity is and what you're all about? Oh, uh, Triversity is a pride center in uh, Milford, Pennsylvania, and we offer a variety of services online and in person. Great. And we'll we'll make sure we give out the website and everything before the end here. But now on to, well, I guess let, let's start with with the vigil that's happening uh, uh, this this weekend. And it's happening uh, this Sunday afternoon. Is that right? Yes, Sunday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. at the United Methodist Church at 206 East Ann Street in Milford, Pennsylvania. And and it's a candlelight vigil. Can you talk about what what's happening and why? Well, what it what it's about is it's a vigil to remember the, those that have been murdered for their gender identity in the past year, and there have been thirty seven deaths since uh, 
November 20th, uh, 2021, till this year. The year before, there was 57 deaths. And this uh, was, it was founded by trans advocate Gwendolyn Ann Smith as a vigil, Dewana Rita Hester, who was killed in 1998. And in 1999 was the first year that they had the Transgender Day of Remembrance. And the majority of the people that are murdered for their gender identity are trans women of black, indigenous, and people of color. Yeah, and I feel like I've heard multiple times over the last couple of years that, unfortunately, those numbers are, are up in terms of, of harm and death coming to uh, trans women, but especially trans women of color. I mean, it's been particularly bad the last couple of years, right? Oh, it's been devastating for, uh, for the community. And they, it seems to have come in bunches. And, and, it, and it's happened in more rural areas than uh, you would really think. Why is that, do you think? It's just the hate that they're the misunderstanding that uh, they don't understand uh, the gender identity at all. Um, it makes people's heads explode, actually. Um, it's not really a hard concept to really understand. I mean, this is our identity. We know who we are. And I could go into all the genetic stuff and everything, but what it comes down to is that we know who we are. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people just can't accept it. Right. And then I guess the question becomes, like, well, somebody knows who they are. Why not take their word for it? It's easy, isn't it? It's, it's not a hard concept. If you say, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, I'm a libertarian, you take their word for it. Right. Right. So, um, you know, and as 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 we we're preparing for this program, you know, the, the line came up is that Transgender Awareness Week this week leading up to um, uh, uh, the, the, the day itself, awareness, uh, uh, the day of remembrance, that this is Awareness Week. So it's an opportunity for people to 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 learn, become more aware about these issues. Is Triversity doing anything during this week leading up to that? Now, usually uh, my wife runs a community forum, and she'll post articles uh, about different things for the transgender community. I mean, the whole week, it, it, it's a, it helps raise, you know, awareness to the visibility of the transgender people and address the issues, you know, for, for this community. I mean, in the 2021 Gallup poll, only 68%, 68% of Americans have never met a transgender person. But... 50% of people under 30 know someone who's transgender. Right. And that I think that speaks to to how things are changing. But of course, there, there's people there's people that might if they're not aware of transgender people and this maybe this speaks to why there's an issue in rural areas. People think like, well, there, there's nobody like that around here. But they they, they may not they may not be aware of who's actually in their community and the people that they're overlooking. Well, often, you know, once you transition, you want to blend into the fabric of society. So eventually people don't even realize that there's trans people around them. And and a lot, and, and the shameful part is that a lot of the trans youth don't get to see the older trans people because we just blend away, you know, into the fabric of society. So it's my job, really, what I'm doing is to try to be more visible so that people can see that we do exist. And we have the right to exist. Is is that is that a difficult conscious effort for you to make to try to be more visible when maybe you wouldn't have to otherwise just for the sake of doing this work? Is that tough for you? Oh yes, it is. It's every time I kind of have to out myself, I'm outing myself again, and it's 
it's incredible the way people will treat me um, when they don't realize I'm trans. Um, I'm invisible. And once they realize I am, I get looks, misgendered. <laughs> yeah, there's not as much respect. I guess, I guess people's concept of gender in society provides some sort of shorthand. I guess, uh, like the old onion, uh, t-shirt said, stereotypes save time. That it's easier for people to deal with people and they can put them in boxes and in categories. And maybe that's part of, of why people, uh, you know, start looking funny when all of a sudden they have to reevaluate their, their boxes, I guess. That's exactly it. It's for them to try to fathom that it's hard for them to understand. I mean, if one out of every 80,000 assigned female at birth can be an XY chromosome, why is it so strange that someone born, you know, saying that I, this is who I am, this is my gender identity, that their brain could not be wired for the gender that they identify? How far off, you know, would that be to even think that, yeah, that can happen? So you're you're making this effort to be visible, you know, to to make sure that there is uh, more awareness and then therefore more acceptance. What about for you mentioned younger transgender people? What is it that you want them to know or be aware of at this time? That you can have a good life. You can live a good life. I mean, you have to fight for your rights. I mean, New York State is one of the really good places to live. I mean, they have the gender, you know, gender act the Gender Expression Non-Discriminatory Act, which they passed in 2019. And it added to the, uh, the human right law of New York, gender identity. So it prohibits discrimination in employment, housing, credit, places of public accommodations, among other things. So this way, younger trans youth knows they're protected. But even with that protection, you still have to fight for your rights because there's still people that will want to violate your rights. And this, what you're talking about now is something that I actually wanted to ask about, which is when, uh, when I think at least my own stereotypes of how the issue of how transgender people are being treated in America, the way it plays out, it seems like there's more visibility on the hostility and the issue in, say, places like in the South, places where they're trying to pass bathroom laws and things like that. And I wanted to ask you, is there is is there a problem with perception when you're in the Northeast, in Pennsylvania or in New York, where you think, well, things are more progressive, but then there's there's actual problems that happen that get overlooked because it's not making the headlines like a bathroom uh, ban would? Well, yeah, you always have to fight for your rights. I mean, once you get out of, uh, let's say, the cities in New York, out into the more rural areas, yeah, you have to fight for your rights, even though they're there. Um, you go across the country, I mean, there's four states that just ban total, totally ban gender-affirming care for trans youth. And there's 15 states that they deny it for anyone on uh, Medicaid. And 21 states, we don't have equal rights for, you know, public accommodations, housing, or credit. I know different folks uh, handle different aspects of issues in Triversity, but is Triversity advocating for any kind of action or legislation, especially in uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, on any of these issues at this time? Well, right now with um, the new governor, which is always good because that will always have our backs. He'll uh, veto anything that comes up. But, yes, they always try to stay in touch with the politicians to know you know, what really we, you know, we really need. I mean, because I, I really think Pennsylvania is on the cusp of uh, 
becoming one of those states that are going to go out to the trans youth. Simone, it's been great that you've been talking to about all this uh, tonight, and uh, I want to get the basics of the vigil coming up on Sunday again before we go. But before that, is there anything else that you want folks to know? You know, when we say this is who we are, this is who we are, just please, if you can accept it, we can accept you, you can accept us. Um, but really, for mostly for the trans youth, if you have one supporting adult in their life, you will reduce their suicide ideations from like 40% down to under 24%. So for anything, just for the trans youth, just accept them and support them. It's not hard. Transgender Day of Remembrance is this Sunday. Triversity will be holding a candlelight vigil um, at 4.30 in the afternoon, commemorate the lives of those lost to anti-trans violence in the past year. And uh, this will be held on the lawn at Milford United Methodist Church in Milford, Pennsylvania. Uh, and is there any other details on the event to let people know? Well, hopefully we see people show up because I'm going to give a little bit of history lesson about uh, trans history. And uh, it'll be a learning experience as well as a day to remember those that we had lost. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Simone Krause, thank you. Thank you very much, Jason. Have a good night. Again, that was a former president of Triversity Pride Center. Current member of Triversity's advisory council, Simone Krause. Sunday is the Transgender Day of Remembrance. This is the local edition. And uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Here's how neuroscientist Kimberly Noble explains her research to her own child. We are trying to understand if helping kids' families by giving them more money is going to make it easier for them to do well in school and in life. Ideas on healthy brain development at every stage of life. That's next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Radio Catskill's annual music sale is Saturday, November 26th. Come to the White Sulphur Springs Fire Hall in White Sulphur Springs, New York for vintage vinyl, hi-fi stereos, turntables, musical instruments, and more. Take home a musical treasure and support public radio. The Radio Catskill Music Sale, November 26th, 11 to 3. Admission $5. More information at WJFFradio.org. You're listening to Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the local edition, news and information keeping you connected in the Catskills 
in Northeast Pennsylvania. And right now we're connecting with the Monticello area because this Saturday Monticello Rotary is hosting its annual food drive at the Ted Strobel Rec Building in Monticello. The Monticello Rotary is holding its event to help the food pantries of both the United Way and the Sullivan County Federation for the homeless. Here to tell us more about the good work they're doing to help local communities keep folks fed, Monticello Rotary President Brad Rutledge. Brad, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yes, we're super excited about our annual food drive this Saturday uh, from 9 to 1 at the Ted Strobel Center here in Monticello. Uh, we have consistently, year after year, been able to increase the amount of food uh, that we collect that benefits, like you said, the local United Way, the food pantries, and the Sullivan County Federation for the Homeless. In fact, last year, we delivered 89 cases of food and 40 turkeys, and we are looking to beat that this year. Uh, so all hands on deck, and please come on out. It's a really great community event, and uh, the support that we receive has been incredible, and I expect that to continue this year. Great. And uh, you, you say you've been doing more and more in recent years, and I know that the, the need has increased or at least become more visible in recent years. How important is an event like this uh, for the local food pantries? It's absolutely critical. Uh, like you said, it, it's, it's a tough time. Um, organizations that typically we're getting monetary or food donations may not be getting them uh, just simply due to the realities uh, of what, what we're living um, and inflation and costs and whatnot. So it is absolutely critical uh, that uh, organizations such as the Rotary do these types of events and continue to support uh, the local food pantries. Uh, there is a, a need for this year-round, not just uh, during Thanksgiving, but this is our largest event uh, toward raising food. But we do also work with these organizations throughout the year uh, as needed to provide them support, um, whether it be for food items, whether it just be monetary donations, whether it be helping them fix up the, the place. Um, we do a lot for these organizations, but this is our biggest uh, food-raising event of the year. Okay, so what um, what are you looking for? What do you want folks to donate, and uh, is there anything you don't want them to donate? Yeah, sure. We're looking for uh, particularly non-perishable perishable food items, uh, canned goods, box foods, you know, things that aren't going to spoil, uh, with the exception of uh, turkeys. Um, we, we collected 40 frozen turkeys uh, last year. Uh, we expect to beat that this year. So if you have your free ShopRite turkey and you're not going to use it, what a great way to utilize that. Donate that to uh, the, Ro the Monticello Rotary for a food drive this Saturday. So, yeah, canned goods, dry goods, uh, non-perishable items, um, and turkeys. That's what we're looking for. Okay, and if somebody's bringing a turkey, it should be frozen. Yes, please. Frozen turkey, that way it, okay. it, 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 won't, right. uh, it won't go bad while it's waiting to be, uh, be consumed. Makes sense. Okay. And um, so I hear that you're accepting donations on Saturday. That's when the big drive is. But uh, there's a way for people to donate in advance. What's that about? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Great point, and thank you for asking that. We do have three uh, sites set up uh, that are accepting donations currently and will continue to do so uh, through Saturday uh, at the Chris Company here in Monticello, um, at the Middletown Medical site here in Monticello, which is in the ShopRite Plaza, 
as well as Catskill Veterinary Services in Rock Hill. They all have drop-off locations for those items. Now, we would ask that if you're going to utilize uh, those drop-offs, that you don't drop off a frozen a turkey. turkey. Let's yes. save the frozen turkeys for Saturday. I was going to say that, Brad. I was going to bring that up. You you beat me to the punch. I think that's a <laughs> okay. good idea. Don't leave a frozen turkey anywhere overnight. Okay. Um, and while we've got you, because because it, it's great to be talking to you about this, I know you're focused on this event, but is there anything else that's coming up uh, in the in the future, the near future for Monticello Rotary that you want folks to know about while we've got you here? Absolutely, there is, as a matter of fact. Uh, we are super thrilled to be partnering uh, with Murph's Toy Drive, uh, which will be held on Saturday, December the 3rd, uh, at the Villa Roma in Calicoon. Uh, and this event is to provide toys for uh, those less fortunate, kids that may not be able to have, get toys. Um, we are, uh, there are tickets available for sale. It's a $50 event. It's going to be a, a delicious dinner. It's a great event, live entertainment. Uh, coincidentally, my band, uh, Far, Be- Far Beyond Gone, uh, will be headlining that event. So I'm really excited about that. And the Rotary is supporting this effort as well. Uh, we will also have uh, toy drop-off locations uh, throughout the Sullivan County area for that event. Okay, well, uh, and and that's great. And I just real quick looked on Facebook, and I just made sure to like the Rotary Club of Monticello, New York. I hadn't liked you guys yet, but I see you there on Facebook. I see the event notification uh, for the annual food drive on Saturday. Is there anywhere else people can go to get more information besides Facebook? Um, we do have a uh, a website as well, MonticelloNYRotary.org. So MonticelloNYRotary.org is our website. Uh, we do try to connect that with our Facebook page. So Facebook's a great way to, to really kind of to get the information about what we're up to and what we're doing, um, but also our website as well. And, you know, we are looking for new members as well. We do a lot of really great things for the Monticello community, and we're looking for like-minded folks who maybe want to uh, provide some community services. We meet every Tuesday night at Albella's at 6 o'clock p.m. Albella's here in Monticello, uh, and anybody is welcome to be a guest at one of our upcoming meetings. That's great. And just a reminder, we've been talking about the Monticello Rotary Annual Food Drive. It's happening this Saturday at the Ted Strobel uh, Recreational Building right there across from the Government Center on Jefferson Street, Monticello, going from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. This Saturday, we've been talking to Monticello Rotary President Brad Rutledge. Brad, it's been great talking to you. Likewise, and thank you so much for uh, for what you do for our community and for supporting this event. We think it's going to be fantastic and appreciate the support. Thanks to Brad for checking in with us. I think we've got time to get one more quick story in this time, turning our attention to the New York State level. This is the local edition, by the way. And uh, New York State Comptroller has a new report on our state's unemployment insurance system during COVID-19 pandemic. The audit finds that the system was woefully unprepared to handle the volume of requests in the spring of 2020 when everything shut down and may have handed out at least $11 billion in overpayments. Karen DeWitt broke it all down with Comptroller Tom DiNapoli. State's unemployment insurance system was already not very modern and up-to-date, and then the pandemic happened. Yeah, we had identified back in uh, 2015 that the, uh, 
the DOL Department of Labor system for unemployment insurance was uh, outdated back then. And they've been very slow to uh, implement upgrades and fast forward to the pandemic and a crisis. And really, the system just broke down, uh, resulting in the loss of billions of dollars. Right. I mean, in fairness, DOL Department of Labor had a lot on its plate. They also had to distribute the federal funds and aid, uh, the coronavirus aid that was uh, kind of thrust upon them. But um, what happened is essentially they paid out billions of dollars in improper payments, correct? How much did you estimate was paid out that shouldn't have been? And how do you get that money back? Sometimes two years later, when perhaps the recipients, through no fault of their own, ended up getting more money. Uh, the Department of Labor is working with the with the federal government to try to do some recovery, but uh, clearly a lot of work needs to be done there. It's hard to ha- come up with a pre- precise number because, frankly, the Department of Labor was not forthcoming uh, in responding to our data requests. But using a calculation of, of experience in terms of uh, fraud and proper payments we came up with a, a one-year number of a loss of $11 billion, $11 billion lost both in terms of improper payments and fraud as well. So uh, from my perspective, because it's based on a calculation, that number uh, no doubt is a floor and is probably much higher, particularly with the temporary program that was put in place uh, by the feds and paid for by the feds in response to the huge unemployment that came as a consequence of, of the pandemic. Uh, but I'm sure that 11 billion figure is a very conservative number of what was paid out uh, in, inappropriately. But the 11 billion dollars—that's about the amount that New York State had to borrow from the federal government to fund the state unemployment fund, right? And now well, businesses have to pay that money back. And that's one of the concerns. We we now owe about eight billion dollars, and uh, you know some other states. That had loans, they used some of the other federal relief money to pay down at least a portion of what was owed. New York hasn't done that. So the small businesses, you know, will pay higher rates because of this uh, large outstanding amount. And certainly at a time where we're still concerned about recovery and small businesses being such an important part of our, of our, uh, New York economy, this is, this is going to be a challenge. Would it be fair to say that during this audit, the Department of Labor officials stonewalled you and your auditors and did not provide the information you needed in a timely manner? Well, I, I don't know that I would use the word stonewall, but I would certainly use the words uh, they were they were not responsive, either in terms of timeliness or uh being specific in, in answering our questions. Now, just to be clear, the initial problems did not happen under our current governor, Kathy Hochul. She wasn't there. It was former Governor Andrew Cuomo who was responsible for those agencies. But it's kind of her job now, right, to fix it? Yep. Yeah, well, and, and the people who are there not only need to fix it, not only need to make sure the system is updated, which I know they're trying to do, uh, they need to work on recovery uh, if that's possible. And when the controls office comes in and and wants to ensure that uh, we're doing our job to protect uh, taxpayers, uh, they need to be more responsive than they were in this case. I guess that's going to do it for the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. This is 
Radio Catskill. My name's Jason Dole. And uh, again, that was a, a report from Karen DeWitt, uh, uh, Senior Albany Correspondent for New York State Public Radio. And uh, there's a weather event. There's a winter weather advisory in effect only until 4 a.m. for uh, parts of northeast Pennsylvania that uh, may be in our listening area. That advisory goes until 10 a.m. now uh, for parts of our listening area in New York State. That includes Sullivan and Delaware counties. Again, winter weather advisory going until 10 a.m. in the New York area. Likely the precipitation will taper off by that time. What is the precipitation? Well, it's starting out as snow. It's been snowing uh, for the last couple hours here in Liberty, New York, and in uh, northern areas in higher elevations. Could be one to four inches of snow and ice accumulating. Precipitation is expected to change over to a wintry mix or snow uh, or a sleet or ice possibly even some ice accumulation again in the higher elevations. So that's what we're looking at. We will let you know what's open and what is not tomorrow morning. So do stay tuned to Radio Catskill tonight and tomorrow. We'll keep you connected to the weather and everything else. Thank you so much for listening. Local Edition will return tomorrow. Coming up next, it's Mr. Kusar Grace and the Music Emporium here on a Tuesday evening with two hours of great music for you. Don't go anywhere. I'm Maria Hinojosa, this week on Latino USA, The Last Cup, looking at themes of identity, capitalism, immigration, and race through the world of soccer. I've come back to Argentina to tell you about the dream. Most of these kids out here dream of becoming soccer gods, and a lot of their parents dream about it, too. That's this week on Latino USA. Thursday afternoon at 2 on Radio Catskill. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections, with showrooms at Lake Wallenpapik, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com From Dog Mountain Lodge, providing dog boarding and grooming, also boarding cats, birds, and other exotic pets. Located in Keshecton, New York, and on the web at DogMountainLodge.com And from listeners like you. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. You're listening to Radio Catskill.